uh, as I've tried to look at the Christmas story this year, I've tried to, to look at it deeper than what we normally perhaps do. I know we have a Christmas program next Sunday evening, and um, Sunday morning, the 24th, uh, Tim will be in charge of the worship service that morning, and I'm not sure if he'll be uh, having a message about Christmas or if we'll do something else. Um, but I've chosen in these three Sundays prior to that to look at the story of Christmas and maybe look at some aspects that we don't normally look at. This morning, I want to invite you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 1. Last week, we looked at the story of Simeon, and that really goes much before, even though we find in the latter part of Luke 2, it's much before, uh, his story begins far before the real story of Christmas. The title of the message this morning is, Good News from God's Throne Room. Good News from God's Throne Room. And I want to read verses 11 through 20 and verses 26 through 38 of Luke chapter 1. Verse 11 begins with the story of Zechariah. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And now jumping to verse 26. And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of, Na of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. 
And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Interesting stories. I don't know how you're making your progress of getting ready for Christmas. I don't know where you are in your gift buying. I talked with Gert yesterday. I think we're maybe uh, a fourth of the way or a third of the way with our children and grandchildren. And, and, you know, I remember so keenly when our children were little, it was so easy. You know, 15, 20 minutes in the toy department at, at, at Walmart could bring happiness to the six of them. But, but now our children have personalities and preferences that kind of limit what I give them. Um, they're acutely aware when we get together for Christmas of what they get from Gert and me, but they also pay attention to what others get from Gert and me. And I know as adults, they understand that we love them all equally. And yet there's always this concern that Gert and I have. And if you're a parent here this morning, you know what I'm talking about. If you have more than one child, that, that somehow you, you give equally. That, that as they look at one another's gifts, that, that they don't feel like someone got a lot more than, than, than what I did. And that maybe that's some indication that, that, that this person is loved more. Well, one area you find as a parent that although you may try to give equally to your children, you cannot discipline them equally. If you have more than one child, you learn fairly quickly that what works with one child does not automatically work with another child. One of our children, and because two of them are in the audience, I will refrain from names, but one of our children growing up, I only had to look at, I won't say gender, and that child would, would comply, almost wilt. And then I have other children, in particular one, that if I were to give that look, they would look at me like, is that all there is? You know, it took a whole lot more with some of our children to get them to respond than one person. And what makes a parent good at being a parent is learning how to love equally and give love equally and yet know how to discipline differently. And I think God models that for us so well. He gives to all of us equally. 
and yet he disciplines us differently. Now maybe this morning you're saying, I, I don't know if I buy that, Dave. I don't, I don't know. Follow me through this Christmas story. And let me give you an example. Luke reminds us in his account that the story of Christmas does not begin in Bethlehem with Mary. The story of Christmas begins in Jerusalem with Mary's cousin, Elizabeth. Now, now you, you know about Elizabeth, right? You remember from Sunday school? Elizabeth is this older, postmenopausal saint of God who has struggled with infertility all her adult life. Um, for you brothers in the congregation, postmenopausal meaning that means that she's beyond the possibility of conceiving a child. And in this story, we find that God chooses to open the womb of this postmenopausal saint for a primary purpose to provide a source of encouragement for Mary. You see, God answers Elizabeth's prayer for a child because he knows that in a few months he's going to call a young girl, a teenager perhaps, a virgin. He's going to call her to do something supernatural, to have something supernatural occur with her that she is going to question, she is going to struggle with, and she is going to need the encouragement of an older saint. And that's why, that's one of the primary reasons that he chooses to open Elizabeth's womb. He knows that Mary is going to need a living example of how God can do anything that God wants to do. God takes this seasoned saint and gives her a child so a virgin girl can look at her and realize that if God can do that for her, he can do that for me. But notice how all this begins. Zechariah is, is in the temple performing his duty, and Gabriel appears, an angel, and says to Zechariah, I've got good news for you. God has answered your prayer. You're going to have a son. His name is John, and he will be great. And what's Zechariah's answer? How? How can this be? What sign can you give me? Really? An angel has disappeared? Would you not think that was a sign? Maddie, if an angel appeared to you, would you not think that was a sign? An angel appears to Zechariah and tells him four things. God has answered your prayer. You're going to have a son. His name is John, and he will be great. And Zechariah says... Got a sign? How can this be? I mean, I am old. Look at me. I am old. 
And then, sisters, he kind of throws his wife under the bus. And, and, and look at her. She's old, too. How can I and she and her, how can we have a child? And Gabriel goes off. We don't have perhaps the whole conversation, but Gabriel in essence says, do you know who you're talking to? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God's throne room. And you say, how? You question? Since you question, you will not be able to speak until these things are fulfilled. For nine months, you will not be able to speak until this is fulfilled. Well, months later, Gabriel goes to Mary. He says, I am Gabriel. Mary, you are highly favored. You are chosen. And you will have a son. And his name is Jesus. And he will be great. Does that sound familiar? You are chosen. You will have a son. His name is Jesus. And he will be great. And what does Mary say? How? But Gabriel's response is different with Mary. He comforts her. He says, don't, don't worry, Mary. D don't get hung up about the details. This is all going to work out. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. This is not, don't worry about a man. Don't worry about the details. Mary, God's got this. And by the way, Mary, your cousin Elizabeth, you need to go see what God is doing in her life. Why did God respond differently? to Zachariah's doubt than he did to Mary's doubt. The message was very similar. Their response was almost identical. And yet God responds differently to Zachariah than to Mary. What is it about Zachariah's doubt that is more grievous to God than Mary's? Well, I think one of the answers is we again need to understand, and I said it a while ago, why is Elizabeth pregnant? Now, yes, she's going to give birth to the forerunner of Christ, but, but it's quite apparent that Elizabeth's pregnancy is to provide an environment of encouragement for Mary. God is preparing an environment of encouragement for Mary. And Zachariah's negativity, Zachariah's pessimism, Zachariah's words of this can never happen is directly in conflict with what God is wanting to do. 
You see, God knows that Mary is going to need encouragement. She's going to need a living example of pregnancy that is miraculous so that she can deal with her doubts and her struggle. And you know, I think that's one of the problems often in the Christian church today. On any given Sunday, even a congregation this size, it's almost inevitable, but someone gathers on a Sunday morning who is struggling with what God is wanting to do in their life right then. And they bring themselves to church. And this should be an encouraging environment. This should be a place where they can be reminded that nothing is impossible for, with God. And what God is wanting to do in my life, He can do despite the fact that I may feel weak. And too often, they encounter a Zechariah who speaks words of doubt and pessimism and struggle. And they do not have that encouraging environment. May it not be so here. We don't know as we gather together who among us is struggling with what God is doing or calling them to do in their life. And may we be careful that our worship, our gathering, our fellowship is one of encouragement and speak of the faithfulness of God and give testimony to what God is doing and has done in our past. And so that that struggling Mary can say, if God can do it for him, God can do it for me. And Zechariah was a real threat. God knew that Mary was going to the house of Zechariah. And she did not need to hear words of negativity and pessimism. And this will never work. And I'm old and Elizabeth's old with what God is saying. You know, it... it, it, it concerns me a little bit, or, or I struggle to understand, why did God appear, Gabriel appear to Zechariah anyway? I mean, he appeared to Mary, the mother. Why didn't Gabriel appear to Elizabeth? Why, why did he appear? Or we can look the other way and say, well, if he appeared to Zechariah, why didn't he appear to Joseph? You men, wouldn't you have rather heard it from God first? You see, we get the idea that Mary told Joseph. That's not what the scripture says. It says that Mary went to Judea, I mean, went to visit Elizabeth, and when she came back, she was found to be pregnant. Joseph finds her to be pregnant, and she says, it's the Lord. It's only after that, when Joseph is struggling with whether to divorce her or not, that the angel appears to Joseph. So, why does Gabriel appear to Zechariah, but not Joseph, and appear to Mary 
but not Elizabeth? I think the answer might be in considering how these pregnancies came about. You see, Mary's pregnancy is one of immaculate conception. Gabriel doesn't appear to Joseph because, quite frankly, Joseph's got nothing to do with this. Right? But Elizabeth's pregnancy is different. Elizabeth's pregnancy is not one of immaculate conception. Elizabeth's pregnancy is one of the old-fashioned way. Did I lose you? God chose to open Elizabeth's womb so that there was the possibility of pregnancy. But Zachariah has to make a move. And God is displeased with Zachariah when Zachariah tries to make excuse. He says, I'm old. Zechariah refuses, in essence, to be part of the answer. Do you realize there are many times when we pray for something, we so quickly just want to put it in God's hands. And many times the answers to our prayer requires that we do something with our hands. Let me, let me give you an example. God told Moses he would part the Red Sea, but what was Moses supposed to do first? Hold your rod out over the sea. God promised Joshua, I will give you the city of Jericho, but what do you have to do first? March around the city of Jericho for seven days. Jesus told the man that was lame at the pool of Bethesda, I will heal you, but first you what? Get up, roll up your bed mat, and walk. Jesus shows up at Lazarus' house, and Lazarus is dead, and he promises his sisters he'll live again. But, but first of all, show me where you buried him and remove the stone. Many times, God's answer to our prayers requires that you and I do something. That we are willing to be part of the answer. And God is displeased when Zechariah makes excuse. Well, God's disappointed with Zechariah because Zechariah's response attacks this encouraging environment that God is wanting to create for Mary. God is also disappointed with Zechariah because Zechariah's response indicates that he is not willing to participate in the answer. But, but there's, there's a third thing. I, th I think we need to this morning consider the difference between Zechariah and Mary. Gabriel comes to Zechariah and he says, your prayer has been answered. You're going to have a son. 
He didn't say that to Mary. Mary did not pray for this pregnancy. Mary was not looking for this pregnancy. How can Zechariah pray and pray and pray for a son and then not expect God to answer? If you and I pray for something to God, we need to expect that he can answer. And when God responds through Gabriel to Zechariah, God has heard your prayers and God is answering your prayers. And Zechariah says, ain't no way. God is disappointed with that. God is disappointed with that type of response. Well, I think finally there's at least one other way a reason that we find God's response to Zachariah's how can this be being different from his response to Mary and how can this be is to consider again Zachariah versus Mary. Zachariah is an old seasoned saint. Zachariah has lived a life where he has seen God answer prayer. Zechariah has seen God open doors when they were closed. Zechariah has seen God provide for him when there was no way. Mary is a young girl, a teenager. She has not experienced those crises of life. She has not had those firsthand illustrations in her life where God has come through. She has not faced the betrayal of people. She has not faced broken heart of relationships and marriage and, and the difficulty of being a parent. She's not faced career situations. Zachariah has. And so God expects more from Zachariah. God expects more from us today too. Especially for those of us here this morning who are gray-headed or maybe have little hair. We have seen God do in our lives, have we not? We have witnessed, we have a long list and it gets longer every year of what God has done for us. When I look back over my life and see what God has done, and then I add even this last year what he has done for me. I have a long list of reasons to say God is faithful, and God will make a way, and God will provide. You see, Zacharias had that. And, and as he watches, the promise that Gabriel gave to Zechariah was not that you're going to have a son tomorrow. It's not that you and, and Elizabeth are going to adopt a child. This is going to be progressive. And, and pregnancy is that way. It's not going to be next week, Zechariah. It's not going to be next month. It's not even going to be a half a year. It's going to be more like nine months. But all along the way, Zechariah, there are going to be signs 
of what I am doing. And Scripture says that Zechariah, once John was born, then Zechariah gave praise. Some of us have a hard time praising God for the signs that he's giving. We don't have a hard time rejoicing when the final answer is here. But can we rejoice in the signs? Let's say we got a difficult relationship with this person. But on a given day, they speak to us. They acknowledge us. That's a sign. Can we praise God for the sign? You're struggling with some health issue. And you pray for healing. But today you've had a good day. Today you're feeling good. Today you got a good report. Can you rejoice in the sign of that? Or do we have to wait until God gives the final answer? You see, Mary did not have the record in her life that Zechariah had. And that's why God's response to Mary's how is so different than God's response to Zacharias. How? God disciplines us differently, but for a purpose. And so this morning, as we are in this Advent time, this time of preparation, this time of waiting, we're also approaching the end of the year. And it's a good time for us to reflect on this past year, what God has done. It's a good time to us reflect on what we may sense God is asking of us and wanting of us. Notice Mary's response at the end. This is me. This is all I've got, God. You do with me. Be it unto me according to your will. And how different that was from Zechariah. Why, you God? I'm old. I'm, I'm too old. Set me aside. And my wife, you know her? She's old too. How easy it is for us to make excuse and to withdraw and to shrink back from what God has for us. It doesn't matter how old we may find ourselves or what other circumstances we find ourselves in. If we are still in the land of the living, God has things for us. He wants us to do. And this Christmas time, the Christmas story is not just about the baby. It is, but there's so many other valuable lessons. We looked at Simeon last week, being able to wait. Today we look at Zechariah compared to Mary. Zechariah could have said, I don't deserve this. I've done my time. It's beyond us. 
You, you, you ask me to be a father to an infant? Sleepless nights? You and I need to be challenged at this Christmas time again as we look at the story of Christmas and all the characters that were involved. God worked through all those circumstances to bring about his will. And what's central to what we looked at this morning was that Mary, those that months that Mary spent with Elizabeth were so important for her to understand and to hear the encouragement and prophecy of Elizabeth that what God had said he would do in Mary, though it humanly was impossible, Because Mary looked at her cousin, postmenopausal saint, and saw her getting greater and greater and greater with child. And if God could do it for Elizabeth, he could do it for her. Mary needed a real life example, not just an historical record, but a real life example of a saint could say to her, look what God is doing with me. And that is proof that God can do whatever God wants to do. So this morning, you, you may find, depending on how old you are and what you're faced, that you're more like a Mary this morning. Notice Elizabeth did not go to Mary. Mary went to Elizabeth. So when you find yourself facing something that seems overwhelming, and this just can't be, and I'm not big enough for this, and I can't handle this, go to a seasoned saint. Ask God to show you someone you can go to. Talk to them about your fears and your call and how impossible this seems to be. And when you and I have opportunity to be an Elizabeth, to encourage someone, may we be able to recount what God has done in our life, how God has met our need, how God has opened a door when it was closed, how God has made a way when there was no way, so that we can be the encouragement for a Mary that she may need. Well, as we approach Christmas, we're just a little, not three weeks, yeah, about a little over three weeks away. I hope that your mind is not just on gifts and giving and planning activities. It's a wonderful time for family to be together. It's a wonderful time for us as a church to enjoy one another's company and to minister. But I hope beyond that, that this entire story of Christmas and the characters of Christmas and what God was doing, that we don't miss the lessons of waiting faithfully like Simeon 
of responding with belief and willingness to be part of our answer to our prayer when we pray. There is really wasted time in praying if we do not believe that God can answer, right? So when we pray and we are placed in God's hands, let's remember to have our hands ready to be part of the answer. Let's pray. Father, this morning we rejoice in your plan of salvation for us. And we are so challenged as we look back to people that were just like us who were called to do extraordinary things, not in their own strength, but to make themselves available for you to do extraordinary things through them. And Father, today, your plan is not totally fulfilled until your son returns. And you have a plan for us. You have a role for us. You have responsibilities for us. And Father, may we respond like Mary. May we lift our hands. May we offer ourselves to you and say, do with me, Lord, what you want to do. My hands are your hands. I am willing, even when it's uncomfortable, even when I feel less than, I am willing. I offer myself to be part of your plan. This we ask in the name of Christ.